following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everybody. Come on, clap real big. Yes, sir. Woo. What a joy. Somebody, somebody back there acts like they're at a square dance. I love you folks, and I want the world to know it, and I want you to know it. Every Sunday morning when you come in here and you fill this place up, it just makes my week. It really, really does. And every day after the first day of the week, which is Sunday, is just a special day because I get to spend it with you on Sunday. Thank you for being here today. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you who the two happiest people in the church are today. I'm going to tell you the two happiest people in the church are today, Gordon and Brenda McKean. Because Gordon and Brenda, hang on just a minute. You, I'm going to let you clap for them. Just, but Gordon and Brenda, when we came here, had two kids. They were awesome kids. And they were smarter than the average bears. They really were. They were smart kids. And one of them became an OBGYN. The other became an attorney. And he took his work to Houston and uh, found a beautiful wife over there and uh, somehow convinced her to marry him. And, uh, and, and she married him. And they have three wonderful children at one time. They had triplets. And so Gordon and Brenda have been going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then all of a sudden, word came through the vine that Brett and Pam were going to move to Austin. And I came in the church here with all the lights out and I went, hallelujah, because I love this young man. I love him very, very much. And they're back. Now you think I was crazy there, but I really did that. I did it in my office first and I thought, that's not big enough. I need to go in church and do that. And so they're here today, and I, I, I help raise this young'un, and uh, I, I don't take credit for it, but I'm so happy that he and his sweet wife and those three babies are here with us. And let's give Brett and Pamela and their three children a great hand. That's just awesome. That's just awesome. And give one to Gordon and Brenda also. That's amazing. Happy, happy parents. I know I'd be that way, but our kids all live here, so I wish some of them would just kind of, no, I'm not saying Hey, I'm going I'm to teach a little bit here today, and, and uh, we're going we're gonna to talk about a subject called Faith Stands, and we're going to introduce it in a moment. But I thought I'd share something with you, maybe a few things that you need, to, you need to see about church. I have a dear friend in the audience today named Vance, and he, he sent me some of this yesterday. Let's, let's look at this right here. Let's look at this. Adam and Eve were the first people not to read the apple terms and conditions. That's cool. Come here, our pastor. He's not very good, but he's quick. <laughs> Thank you, Vance, for that one. I appreciate it. Amen. The third one, watch this here. Noah was a brave soul, a brave man to sail on a wooden boat with two termites. I love that. Let's do the next one here. What happens in Vegas is forgiven here. <laughs> now is a good time to visit. Our pastor's on vacation. Keep using my name in vain and I'll, I'll make rush hour longer, God. And then our, our friend Jeff helped us with this one. Too hot to keep changing signs. Sin bad, Jesus good, details inside. <laughs> Clap your hands. That's, that's some church signs I just want to share with you. <laughs> I, I, run, I run across those and the other day Vance started sending those to me and I got tickled and the more tickled I got, the more he sent to me and I said, can I use them? And he gave me permission so... I had to give him $500 for that, but I did. But what a joy. Would you stand to your feet? You're awesome people, and I love you very, very much. 
I want you to turn around to somebody and say, I'm glad to be in church. And say, pastor's not real good, but he is quick. He is quick. Everybody say, faith stands. You want your faith to stand? Say, my faith will stand. I believe that. We need to hear that right here in the middle of summer. Right in the dead middle of summer, we need to hear this. The 21st day of July 2019. Yesterday was a 50-year anniversary of one small step for man and one giant leap for mankind. And our first revival when I was just a young man in, in a little town in Louisiana, my first revival, and I stayed with a little lady there that was old, and she said they didn't go to the moon. They landed in New Mexico. They had that, it was all filmed out there in New Mexico. It was not, it did not happen. And she's dead and gone now. And I guess she knows the truth now that we did land on the moon. Aren't you glad to be an American? Come on now. Aren't you glad to be an American? It's just good. Turn to somebody and bump them because they might be a germaphobe. Bump them and say, I'm going to help the pastor. And you may be seated. Romans, Paul speaks and said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Paul said in Romans 10, verse 14, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? To all of our people tuning in today via the net, we appreciate it so much. We honor you. And if Tulsa's tuning in, we honor you today. Love you very much and thank you for tuning in. Everybody say, faith comes by hearing. How can they hear without a preacher? Paul makes it very clear to the Corinthian Christians that although, although faith comes by hearing, faith stands and faith thrives and faith survives by something altogether different. You see, faith might come by hearing, but faith stands by experiencing the power and the presence of Almighty God. Can I get a witness right now? Faith stands in demonstration. 1 Corinthians 2 says, My speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration, watch this now, of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the power of God. So we're not talking about just intellectuals today, and we need to be intellectually right about the gospel, but we're talking about the power of God. Faith stands, your faith, my faith, stands in demonstration of God's power and God's presence. Now it comes by hearing, but it stays intact, stays alive by demonstration. And absent that, the consistent and continual demonstration of God in our lives, our faith will get weak and not stand long. Our soul's antagonist, the devil, wants to eliminate and divorce us from the encounter of the saint and his savior. If he can interrupt the exchange between our soul and the king of kings, he can break the connection between me and God. And it won't matter what I believe. It won't matter what I know or how much I know. My faith will get weak and will not stand. The devil does not mind mind knowledge because Roman 1 said the world through wisdom knew not God. But he does not want us to have an experiential touch 
that causes our faith to stand up like a healing, like a deliverance, like salvation, like that job that you thought you'd never get, like those children that all of a sudden are rising up and calling you blessed and coming home and hugging on you and kissing on you and they're not wanting money. It's not what you know, it's not what you believe, and it's not even what you've already experienced. But if the enemy of your soul can sever that connection or the next experience of the presence of God, he will inevitably cause our faith to die because the book says the letter alone kills, but the spirit makes alive. Everybody say the spirit makes alive. See, the enemy's not worried about yesterday's blessings, but he is preoccupied about preventing the next blessing in my life or in your life because he knows that faith may come by hearing, but faith stands in the demonstration, say it, demonstration of the power and the presence of God in our life. And what's done, he cannot undo. But if he can prevent the next blessing, interrupt my next encounter, my faith will suffer, my faith will stagger because it stands, it survives by demonstration and the power of God in my life. See, the Bible and the records of our race are filled with men and women experiencing God. And the difference of the narratives of the people that made it and the people that did not make it, the haves, can I say, and the have-nots was one thing, the demonstration of God in their life. It was on Adam in the garden, the demonstration of, of, the, of God was on Adam. It was on Noah at a post-ark altar. It was on Enoch when he was translated in the book of Genesis after walking with God for 300 years. It was on Abraham, the father of faith on the plains of Mamre. It was on Jacob at a place called Luz and a place called Jabbok. And yes, it was on Moses at a fiery bush on the backside of a desert and before Pharaoh and then at the Red Sea before millions that followed him through the wilderness. And it was on Joshua in the shadows of Jericho. And it was on Samson at the pillars of a heathen temple. And it was on Deborah, the deliverer at the valley of Jezreel. And it was on Elijah when he faced off with 850 false prophets and fire came down on top of Mount Carmel. And it was on Elisha at the bottom of an open grave because when he died, they didn't bury him, they didn't cover his grave and a dead man was thrown in that, on those bones and came back to life. And Elisha performed a miracle after he was dead. And it was on Saul among the prophets when he prophesied and became a new man. It was on David when he had a slingshot in the valley of Elah and took down a giant. It was on Isaiah at the death of King Uzziah. It was on Jeremiah in a dungeon. It was on Ezekiel at the river of Chebar. It was on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a fiery furnace in a strange land. And it was on Daniel in a den of lions. And it was on Habakkuk at the top of a tower of faith. And yes, it was on Jonah in the belly of a whale at the bottom of a sea. Can I tell you, God's presence is available and it's for us today. In fact, David said, where can I go to get away and escape your presence? If I take the wings of morning, you're there. If I make my bed in hell. All these people that I read to you about today wasn't on the top of the world. Some of them were in the bottom of their whole existence, but God's presence was there and made them complete. Can I tell you, faith comes by hearing, but faith stands. It stands on the demonstration of the power and the spirit of God in our lives. 
And so that's why every Sunday we need to return in here and say, God, touch me again today. Let me feel the reconnect of your glory and your presence in my life. And at the advent of Jesus, those encounters did not decrease. But that infant apostles church flowed in the power and the spirit of the Lord. And knowing as King David had spoken in Psalm 16 and 11 that in his presence, there's fullness of joy. It was then and it is now the defining difference of the church than just assemblies and congregations and crowds. The presence of God is the reason our faith is still standing. God's presence has continued to move and his spirit has continued to flow and miracles have continued to happen. I did a, I did a Wednesday night Bible study on miracles several months ago and Every Wednesday night, we brought a different miracle up. Some of you may remember it. Brother John Garza was given two months to live almost four years ago with stomach cancer. They sent him home to die, but he didn't die. And by the way, he was here this morning as dapper as ever. Just doing wonderful. Sister Marguerite White had a, had a, had a, had a, had a, a, a catharsis in her heart, had a, had a problem in her heart and, and fell out. And the doctor said she was not going to live. She had an enlarged aorta. And the doctor said she would not live till the surgeon got there. She lived. And they said she wouldn't live through surgery. She lived. Said she wouldn't live a week. She lived. Said she wouldn't make it a month. She lived. And now, two and a half years later, she's here this morning, bright and early. That's... And then a little girl that was in the, in the womb of her mother dead upstairs on Mother's Day one year, they brought her down. We prayed for her and they went to the doctor the next day and the baby had a heartbeat and the baby was not gonna be taken away from the mother. The baby went full term and was born and she's three and a half years old today, alive and well. Here's what I'm telling you. It's one thing, it's one thing to hear that word, but that's not what makes your faith stand. Your faith stands on the demonstration. Oh yeah and the power and the presence of Almighty God. Hallelujah. My friend Vance had leukemia and said, Pastor, I want to be baptized. When he came up out of the water, he knew something had happened. He don't have leukemia any longer because faith does not stand on what you hear. Faith stands on what you see demonstrated in your life. Clap your hands and rejoice to that. That's the presence and the power of God at work in this house. Last Wednesday night when I got through with my true worship sermon, a man walked up to me and he's precious. And he joined our church at the end of December and he decided, he was an alcoholic and he decided I need to quit drinking. So he just threw it away. This is his story. And he walked up to me Wednesday night and he said, Pastor, guess what? I said, what? He said, I've been sober. And he didn't say a half a year. He didn't say six months. He said, I've been sober 180 days. You know why he said that? Because he said, every day I get up, God says, I'm with you today. I'm gonna help you today. And you can preach all you want to about that, but faith doesn't stand on my preaching to you. You hear it and faith is, comes by hearing, but real faith stands on the power and the demonstration of the presence of God in your life. Would somebody clap your hands and say amen to that? Wow. See, so the enemy is determined to prevent the next move of God in your life. He'll use whatever he can to stop us, a job, a home, a health problem, kids. 
the cares of life that choke out the word of God. He tries to change the environment. Hell tries to change the environment, telling you that God will not move you. He'll not use you. He'll not bless you. But John nailed him. He said, he's a liar and the father of all lies. John 8, 44. Jesus said in Luke 10, he said, I give you power to tread on serpents and on scorpions. And I have the ability to move you from one arena to another by my power. God can take you out of depression and make you have an expression. He can take you out of doubt, pardon me, and put a shout in you. Amen. I hope the horns do that to us this year. Take a little doubt out and put a shout in us. Amen. But I know a Jesus that can. We have authority over the devil's ability. In the name of Jesus, it's time we use it and exercise it and allow God to move on us again. Remember, your faith stands not in God's forever. Your faith stands not in God's forever settled word, but in the demonstration of the power and the presence of God in your life. How many has ever read the Bible through? Just raise your hand. Come on. All right. Nobody. All right. That's good. I don't, I don't keep questions going long. You got to answer right now. But first and second Chronicles is very mundane reading. In fact, it's mundane lives following mundane lives. If you ever read the Bible, you'll love Genesis and Exodus. But when you get to Leviticus and, oh God, Deuteronomy and Numbers and all that, it's going to be begat, 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 begat. And it's tales of people in Chronicles who seem to just exist. And they, they got their name in a book. Never did much, just existed. Starts with Adam and Enos and all kinds of people make up the list of nothings, just nothings. Judah and Tamar, Achan, troubling Israel, stealing money from the church. Jabez and his prayer. Simeon, sons, finding pasture for their flocks and the Kohathites and the care of the Ark of the Covenant. That doesn't mean one thing to some of you. And that's why Chronicles is boring. Then after 303 verses of names, a truth just, just kind of slipped into the Bible. We're told about a man named Ephraim and his family. He was a son of Joseph, trying to live their lives with others. And when all of a sudden the Gathites, the men of Gath, swept down and killed Ephraim's sons and all his cattle, it was, it was a Job experience. And people tried to comfort him. But his loss was so great he could not be comforted. And his faith seemed to have been attacked. And he seems to say, nothing ever good will come out of this situation. And I'm preaching to people on this July morning that have been there. That said, nothing good's going to come out of what we're going through. You know that, don't you, honey? You know that, don't you, wife? All the magic's gone and the beauty has dissipated. And we've been stripped by the Gathites. The sons of Goliath, the day of trouble, the day of distress is here. And then 1 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 23 appears. The Bible said he retreated to his wife, and by the hand of the Lord, she brought forth a son. Wow. And in keeping with their times, they named him Bariah. That means simply son of sorrow. So it really didn't much help to have a son. They said, well, he's a son of sorrow. And just keep reading, though. Just keep reading. 29 verses later and one chapter later, all oh, this is fixing to get good. Against, amid all the long list of names, and with no reason at all, the Bible just says this in 1 Chronicles 8, 13. Bariah drove out the inhabitants of Gath. 
That's all it says. Didn't say how. Didn't say when. Didn't say where. Didn't say how much he had in his army. But when he was born, his dad looked at him and said, son, there'll be a day when you'll get to have a chance to stand up against what has destroyed your dad and your mom's life. And when that chance comes, oh, hallelujah, I want you to step up to the plate, son, because God has born you and birthed you for such a time as this. And even though you're a son of sorrow, you're gonna stand up one day and God's gonna allow you the ability to do something to the sons of Gath that we were not able to do. And all of a sudden that scripture just appears. He drove out the sons, the inhabitants of Gath. Somebody say hallelujah. See the son of a family of despair rose up and drove out the enemy. Here's what I wanna tell you. It doesn't matter what your backdrop is, what your background is. You were born for this time. You were born for right now. And you don't have to take the guff and the situation that perhaps you were raised with. You can step up to the plate and say, I'm gonna have one scripture in my life. I'm gonna drive out the inhabitants of the enemy that may have destroyed my family and my home. That's how faith stands. Mm, hallelujah. Deliverance came from a child of sorrow and despair because deliverance belonged to Bariah. And deliverance belongs to this congregation today. Judges 14, Samson poured it out of the eater, out of the lion came forth meat, and out of the bitter came forth sweetness. He, he saw a lion in the path and slew it, and he came back, and there was a honeycomb in that lion's carcass. There's going to be some lions you're going to have to fight in this journey. There's going to be some things you're going to have to come up against in this journey. And the lion's the king of the forest, and you're going to have to come up against some lions in your life. But if you have the strength to stand up against it, even in, in sorrow, even in dark times, even in bad days, when you come back by after a while, there's going to be some honey for you. Boy, I feel good preaching this right now. Samson had to fight the lion, but there was still honey in the carcass. Even in your sorrow and distress and discomfort, God will still move through you, move in you, move for you, and move with you. Our faith still stands. Say it still stands in the demonstration of power and of the Spirit. I love this verse I'm fixing to read to you. I just love it because I just think it's cool. It's just a cool verse. And every, every now and then I just kind of open my Bible and read it. It's Habakkuk chapter 3. It said, although the fig tree shall not blossom. That's a negative. Neither shall there be fruit in the vine. That's a negative. The labor of the olive shall fail. That's a negative. The field shall yield no meat. That's a negative. The flock shall be cut off from the foe. That's a negative. There shall be no herd in the stall. That's a negative. And then the next line said, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Now stop, stop, stop. That's six negatives. That's one for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But it's Sunday. And today we're going to rejoice in the Lord because we're in the house of God. Somebody help me preach right now. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make me walk up on high places. We need to get some God going up in here right now. Why don't you clap your hands and say, I feel what the preacher's talking about right now in my life. The Bible began with God moving and it ends with God moving and he's seldom sitting down in between. Everybody say this with me. The anointing destroys 
the yoke. What God wants to do in your lives today is anoint you with his presence. Because the anointing, watch this now, it doesn't break the yoke because something broken can be fixed. But something destroyed has to be totaled. We're not trying to break some yokes. We're trying to destroy some yokes. And the yoke of sin and the yoke of slavery and the yoke of failed situations in our life wants to hold us captive. But by the anointing of the Holy Spirit here today, I declare to you the yokes will be broken. And not only broken, they will be destroyed. There will not be a repair shop for the yoke upon your life. You're going to walk out of here today saying the yoke has been destroyed by the power and the presence of God. That's what church is all about. Clap your hands and rejoice to that right now. That's what it's about. David said, anoint me with fresh oil. Psalms 92, he knew oil become rancid. It loses viscosity. It became very stale. And David said, I need to be anointed again. You know, David was anointed three times as king. He was anointed at his daddy Jesse's house. He was anointed then at Hebron just for Judah. And then he was anointed again for all of Israel at Hebron. And it's an amazing thing that David loved the anointing. He loved it. He was a man after God's own heart. You know, you know how many quarts of oil they poured on a man when he got anointed to be king? Six quarts. You bubbled that. It wasn't one of these little cross things on your head. You know what I'm saying? Pour it on him, boys. He's a king. And we all are kings and, and queens. And we're, we're people in the kingdom of God. And we need a fresh oil on our life. We need some fresh oil on our life. I want, I want to set this little thing I'm fixing to show you up here. I want, to, I want to set it up for you. It's kind of funny. Once again, my buddy sent it to me. And somebody was working on his house. Look here, I want you to look where the hose is. Look where the hose is. Look, 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 look. He's working. He's giving it all he's got. But he's not plugged up to the power source. Look at him. He's getting it. Come on. He's getting it. He's getting it. Look at that thing. Just a dancing. Just a dancing. That's where. Turn it off. That's enough. That's where some of us are. Somebody said you got to be plugged up to the power. No, the power is on. The machine is running. God is in the house. You just need to plug yourself up. It ain't the lack of power. It's not the lack of God's willingness. It's not the lack of God's want to. You just need to plug yourself up to it and get some work done. Pour it on us, Lord. Pour it on us, Lord. David was in a man named Achish, a king called Achish, who was a... Who was a a king of the world that did not trust and love God, a pagan. And he had to feign himself mad because he thought he was going to die 16 months after he was anointed king in his dad Jesse's house the first time. And here's what I want to tell you. A man that was anointed king said, I need to be anointed again and again and again. And when you walk into church at Christian Life Austin, you need to understand that the anointing of God is in this house. And it's not going to break anything. It's going to destroy some stuff in your life. And if you don't want some stuff destroyed, you might not want to yield to it. But I'm telling you, everybody needs some victory and some triumph in their life. And God wants to give that to you. You know, there's sinners that come in and seek the presence of God that we've longed for in our lives. And we saints need to be first partakers 
of what God is doing. We must still desire the glory of God and the spirit of God in his touch. Folks, I love being the pastor of this church. I really do. But I love being the Lord's worshiper more. And I love to preach that God is able and willing to do anything that you need him to do in your life. And somebody said, well, you know, I'm not worthy to ask him. Quit, quit throwing that excuse at me. He made you worthy by the cross. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Quit worrying about that unworthiness. Start saying, Lord, I need a fresh touch of an anointing on my life. My marriage needs a fresh touch. My kids need a fresh anointing. We need to be touched by the demonstration and the power and the presence of God. We need to experience your glory in our life. Mm. Our faith stands in demonstration and power. I got to hurry. Ever, have you ever just wanted just to, have you ever been driving down the road and just want to say, ah, just shout? <laughs> and I'm not talking about road rage. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I got a neat little old car that's got a pretty big engine in it. And a little old, a little old Kia come up beside me the other day and looked at me and wanted to run me, race me. And I rolled my window down, I said, get out of here. You can't handle what's in this car. Some of you, the devil has ridden up beside you and says, I got you. And he's driving a two-cylinder. Oh, I'm preaching right now. Hallelujah. Have you ever just wanted to laugh or maybe dance? Just. We have three daughters. And the youngest one used to love to put on her hard wooden, soles, wooden shoes. When she was a kid and she'd get in the bathtub naked as a little girl with those shoes on and tap dance. And Patty and I would say, Caitlin's happy. Caitlin's happy she's tap dancing up there. And you know what? I go in that restroom now because my little man cave is upstairs and that's the restroom that I use to refresh myself. And, and I go in there and I look at that bathtub and I thought, wow, joy used to be there. Joy used to be in that place. And it takes me back to a little girl that just loved being in the presence of the Lord. Let me say something to you, parents. You may be hardened to God's presence, but your kids aren't. You need to let your kids come into the presence of God. There's nothing stupid gonna happen around this house, but we're gonna have the strong presence of God in this house. And your children need to experience the God factor in their life. They need to experience that God can do mighty and great things in their life. Come on, clap your hands real big. Ever wanted to just laugh, just laugh? I used to go to church with a little woman out in West Texas and she was about 85 years old. She sat on the front row and nobody got her seat or she'd move them. <laughs> and when the spirit would get to moving, you know, people get to clapping their hands or rejoicing or something. And she felt like it was time. It was just the time to drop the bomb. She would open up her little old purse and pull out this little old handkerchief and then just kind of undo it like this. And then just kind of look around and go... And we said, Grandma's feeling it. It's time for us to get to feeling it. And I don't care if it's your first time here. You're feeling something in this house right now. 
When I was a little old boy, I lived in West Texas, and it was so funny. I remember the first day I realized that windmills let you know wind was blowing. It dawned on me. My dad said, son, you know why that windmill's turning? I said, yes, sir, I think I figured it out. He said, it's because the wind's blowing. I said, yes, sir, yes, sir, that's it. I, I got that, Daddy, and I've loved it ever since. And I want to ask some of you a question this morning. I want to ask you, how many windmills do you have to see turning before you believe the wind's blowing? How much do you have to see before you understand that God still moves among his people and he still walks the aisles and he touches he, and he heals people and he saves people and he delivers people and he sets them free and he sets them free. I'm almost finished. I don't go long. Preacher, don't go long. But a man in first service came up to me and said, Pastor Rex, a dear gentleman, he said, Pastor Rex, he said, God's been dealing with me about a particular thing and said, the other day I just decided, you know what? I don't need that in my life anymore. Don't need it. And he said, I was just, I was worried sick about business. And he said, business wasn't good. And he said, I told God, I said, God, I'll, I'll walk away from it. I will, I'll walk away from it. And he said, I felt something touch me and said, I felt the presence of God right in my house. And he said, the next day, I got the largest contract I'd had in three years. And the next day, I got another one. And the next day, he said, Pastor, I can't stay up with them now. And he said, business was dead. But he said, I decided to let God just come into my life. And said, the anointing destroyed the yoke. What needs to be destroyed in your life today? Some of you need to say, amen. I'm going to get lost in the presence of Almighty God. And I'm going to let God do some things in my life. I was preaching a revival years ago. And. And a grandma came out of the prayer room. And by the way, I want to thank Pastor Kelly, our prayer pastor. Let's give him a hand. And <laughs> Pastor Debbie, I love these folks. Our prayer room is just wonderful here. And a grandma came out. It was in a Houston church, came out of the prayer room. And you could tell she was a little tipsy. And somebody said, she must be drinking. I said, yeah, but she ain't drinking what you think she's drinking. So you got a hold of some some wine of the spirit. She walked up to me and said, my son's going to get saved today, Pastor. Her son at that time was on a Sunday morning drunk. He was an alcoholic, totally lost, totally gone. And all of a sudden, about the time she said that to me, he said he felt like getting up and walking out of the place where he was. They were doing lines and they were doing alcohol. They were doing them both. And he said, I walked out that instant, said I was dog drunk and I was high as I could be but something said get out of here said I went home and told my wife he said the strangest thing happened to me today sweetheart I felt something walk in that made me want to walk out he came to church that night gave his heart to Jesus on a Sunday night hang on hang on hang on gave his heart to Jesus and today he's a pastor and he's leading people to Jesus Christ because when the anointing comes on you it doesn't just break stuff up. It destroys stuff in your life. It destroys stuff in your life. Come on. Come on. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Lord. Come on, Lord. Hannah wanted a word, and the priest thought she was out of her mind, but she got that word. Eleazar wanted a win, and the sword claved to his hand. The mighty men wanted water for King David and they broke through the host of the garrison of Philistines and got him water. 
Faith stands in demonstration and power of the Spirit. When Moses was on top of the mountain getting the civil ceremonial and moral law of God in the Ten Commandments, he walked down and the Bible said his face glowed. The glory of the Lord was on him and he had to veil his face. He had to put a veil up in front of his face. And Paul talked to the Corinthians about that and said the reason because the glory was disappearing. Because when he walked down, the glory is not going to stay because the glory belongs to the Lord, not to us. It belongs to him. And he walked down off that mountain and the glory was dissipating and he had to put the veil on so they wouldn't see that he was just a man, mere mortal. So sometimes the next move is not nice, but it's necessary. It's necessary. Some of you are living in faded glory. Some of you are living in times of your life when you need a touch from God. You need something in your life. You need that demonstration. You need that Holy Spirit to help you. And he told me today that he's here to help you. He's here to help you. I close, Randy, if you'll help me right now on the piano. The singers will come. We're going to sing you out of here in just a little while. But Ezekiel's, Ezekiel's book is one book that's always inspired me. I love Ezekiel's book. It's inspired me. And the, the good book said that in the first chapter, the first verse of his book, he's along the river Chebar in a land called Babylon, which means he was in captivity. And the people he was witnessing to there all had hung their harps on the willows because they said, we can't sing a song, the Lord's song in a strange land. And they had given up on their faith. And the Bible said in Ezekiel 1 and 1, I was among the captives beside the river Chabar, and the same verse said, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. In captivity, in Babylon, with a bunch of captive people, Ezekiel saw the Lord. He saw him. And he sees visions like John on the Isle of Patmos in Revelation, surrounded by buzzards and bones. He was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. I want to put something on the screen right now and I want you to look at it and I want you to read it and I want you to rehearse it. Someone here needs to realize there's a world above you that's greater than the world around you. You need to start looking up. You know in World War II, in the concentration camps, the Germans would not allow the Jewish children to look up. You know why? Because when they looked up, they'd have hope. They had hope. Because their Jehovah God was going to help them. And they wouldn't let them look up. They wanted to break their spirits. And hell wants to break the spirits of people that need direction and deliverance in your life today. So he don't want you to look up, but look up. Everybody say, Ezekiel saw the Lord. And then the Bible said the word came expressly to him. In other words, not a general word, but an express word to him. Everybody say, he heard the word. Now watch this. Faith comes by hearing. But then the Bible said the Lord was there and came upon him. He felt the Lord. Everybody say, he saw him. He heard him, and then he felt him. I would ask that your resistance level get lowered so that you'll let the presence of God touch you today. You need his presence. The good book said that God told Ezekiel to stand up on his feet. He put the spirit in him. He filled him up. In the land of Babylon, among the captives by a river, Ezekiel said he lifted me up and he took me up. And Ezekiel said, blessed be the Lord God from this place. What place? The place of captivity. God, I wish I had another 30 minutes, but I'm, I'm done. I got to be done because I got another session coming. Boy, I love preaching to you folks today. Thank you for letting me preach the gospel to you today. Thank you. Would you stand to your feet?
church is not out yet, I want to bless you, but stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. I must bless you today. I must bless you today. I have to bless you today. Some people in this house need to settle an issue in your life right now. You need to say, my faith is still standing. Come on, say, my faith is standing. I promise you something, and I I will tell you this. This is not a church built on emotion. It's built on the word. But faith comes by hearing, but it doesn't stand by hearing. It stands by demonstration. You need to experience something that will destroy the yokes of your life. And those yokes need to come off of you and be destroyed. You know, when the veil was rent in twain from top to bottom, when Jesus died and the Bible said the veil was rent in twain, you know what history said? History said it wasn't sewable. They couldn't sew the veil back up. You know what it said? It said it, it was like sand. It just fell apart like sand. And you can't put sand back together and build another curtain. That's what's going to happen in your life when you yield to the presence of God. That yoke is going to come off of you. It's going to be destroyed in the name of the Lord. And you're going to walk free and whole and clean and right because God is for you today. Amen. Everybody say, God's for me today. God's for me today. Get your hands in the air and let me bless you. It's quitting time. It's time to close. Get your hands in the air, please. Dear Father, I love these people. And I thank you for the privilege of getting to preach to them today. Thank you, Lord, because faith stands on demonstration and the power and the presence of God. And let our faith stand. Let us not resist your presence. Let us not resist what you have for us. Let us not say no. Let us not say no. Let us say yes to the things you have in store for us. Now bless this congregation. Thank you for every man, woman, and boy, and girl in this house. All of our kids next door. All of our children, God, that they'll understand that this is a house where Jesus can be not only Lord of their life, but King of their heart. Thank you for it, Jesus. I bless this congregation in the name of the Lord. And I stand against every yoke. I stand against every yoke and let it be absolutely destroyed in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Everybody say amen. Say amen. Wednesday night, Wednesday night. True worship for the last time. The next Wednesday night, Matt Brock is here. Next Sunday, another message on faith. I love you. Have a great, 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 great day. God bless. Sing us out of here, kids. Sing us out of here.